Hi, welcome to the first episode of the Comics Coffee Metal Podcast. I'm your host, Don Cardenas, and this month we have Patrick Brower. Patrick is the co-owner and proprietor of Challengers Comics and Conversation in Chicago. He is also the lead singer of Serpent Crown and Divorce Gun, as well as the long-rumored voice behind the band Acid Washed. Patrick, welcome. Don, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be on the inaugural episode. And uh, great, great job with the deep cut of Acid Washed the heavy metal band from the pages of Hack Slash that was only ever seen in full makeup in that comic, so no one really knew who was in the band. Well, yeah, That's you know, cool. it, it, the internet was set ablaze with who is this mysterious voice, and I would be doing everyone a disservice if I didn't bring it up. <laughs> and uh, well mentioning, mentioning it's the, the inaugural podcast, uh, I just wanted to take a minute and bring up why I wanted you in particular to be the first guest. Um. I'm going to start off the bat by saying Challengers just existing has been very instrumental in the path my creative life has taken. And uh, many years ago when Challengers first opened, I was a fairly early customer within the first few months. I had just gotten back in the comics. I was you know, thinking about getting back in the drawing after like a decade layoff of not doing anything. And uh, through you guys hosting the 24-hour comics day, which I was more than happy to participate in a few times, that kind of like rekindled a lot of my interest into it. And just over time, the passion and creativity, creativity you and Dal, uh, the other co-owner of Challengers Comics, have put into your store has just infected me and I'm sure countless others with just excitement about comics and making comics. And um, additionally, you were at one point a guest on the Around Comics podcast, which is sadly no longer uh, around, but one of the hosts was also a member of the 11 o'clock comics podcast. And through there, I joined their forum. I met a lot of people that I've created comics with. I, you know, it was the first place I even put up my work to sell and I gained a lot of confidence from that. And it's just a fantastic community that, uh, while the forum is defunct, it's very active on Facebook. Now it's, I've been very thankful to have that little comics community and I just have to go back and say if it wasn't for challengers I never would have found it I honestly believe I would not so thank you well you're welcome I appreciate you saying all that I used to like to say that comics bring everyone together but clearly in this case it's comics podcasts that bring everyone together and And now video casts yes Uh, and I want to thank you for being part of what we were doing from the very beginning and it's enthusiasm like yours and people like you that responded to our attempt to bring a, a modern and progressive thinking store into the industry. And, and if it wasn't for people like you, we wouldn't have a store. Well, thank you as well. So uh, start off, this is the Comics Coffee Metal YouTube channel. So Comics Coffee Metal, what were your first experiences with each one of those? Uh, well, I misunderstood. I thought this was uh, Comics Whiskey and Metal. So uh, I have the wrong beverage with me today. Okay. Well, but, thanks for joining uh, us today, everybody. Uh, see you later, Patrick. We're... <laughs> <laughs> Let me go brew a pot real quick. Uh, comics have been a part of my life since I have memories. I have an older brother, George, who is six years my senior, who was reading comics before me. So I grew up in a household that always had comics around. And it was weird to me to find other people who didn't read comics because 
they were always part of my life. I grew up with them. That was my normal. So my earliest memories are of comics, of getting comics at the drugstore, having my dad bring comics home from work. Obviously, he didn't get them at work, but he stopped and got them on his way home. Riding in, in long car rides to uh, summer vacations, st- stacking up on comics to, to bring for that. So my earliest memories are all comic related. And it's amazing today to see the proliferation of comic culture and iconography. And back in the day, because I've been a retailer since 1990. And if you saw a guy out on the street with a Batman t-shirt, you knew he was coming to your store. Yeah, yeah. Now, comic icons and T-shirts are everywhere. It's just it's just part of the culture. It's it's the same thing as somebody wearing like a Ramones T-shirt or something. It's just yeah. accepted. It's what people do. It doesn't mean hey, this is somebody who is part of a very niche, small community. It means it's a human being on the planet Earth. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. So, you bring you bring up the shirt thing because. That was one of the biggest things I noticed just in the past decade, just how that has exploded. Because, you know, growing up in the later 80s, 90s, if I wanted a comic book shirt, I had to order it from the back of a comic or a wizard or whatever. It was like $30 shipped. They had like extra large only and and up. And now I can just go to Target, spend 10 bucks and get like six, six or seven different comic book shirts. Yeah, you can go to Target, you can go to Old Navy, you can go to Hot Topic, they're everywhere. And the major stores get better designs and much less expensive shirts than are offered to us anymore. I I have to get all of my comic shirts elsewhere, and I own a comic shop. I'm I'm literally wearing a uh, Walmart Batman t-shirt right now. Nice. I have um, got a a DC Comics shirt I got from DC Comics. (laughs) Oh, so we're brag. both representing. It's good. It's good. And I, I don't. Uh, it wasn't necessarily planned for me to wear a because uh, you can't even see it. But that's just almost every day. I'm most likely wearing a superhero shirt. So uh, that's interesting because uh, hearing about your older brother being the one, and I think for so many of us, and for the comic industry in general, would probably be you know dead if it weren't for older brothers leaving the <laughs> comics around for younger right? ones. Because that is exactly my experience. Um, so my older brother got you into comics. That's so yes, weird. Yes, it, it was really creepy and weird, but I was like, whatever. Spider Man's cool. So, um, <laughs> but I also know that from almost the same age, metal has been part of your life, especially Kiss. And I was just kind of wondering what was your first exposure to Kiss when the well. I mean, you kind of already answered the question uh, oh. for me because it was Kiss. But getting into, I got I got into Kiss with Love Gun, which mm-hmm. was uh, nineteen seventy. Uh, one, two, three, four, three, four, five, six, nineteen seventy-eight, maybe. Mm-hmm. And Kiss and comic books make perfect sense. Yeah, they are costumed heroes, as it were. I mean, I got into the music more because of their look and their marketing than I did for the music. I mean, at at that age, I was very, we all are musically impressionable. 
our our musical tastes are almost always developed by what is on around us. It's not the things with, we're not choosing what to play. We don't know any better. Yeah. And especially if you have older siblings or parents who listen to stuff regularly, that's what you get into. Like I have an extensive library of 50s and 60s music because of my parents. I wasn't around for that stuff, but I know it because I grew up hearing it in the house all the time. And as my siblings, who are all older than me, got into things that were more current for them and playing things around the house, always vinyl because it was the 70s. Kiss was one of those things. But the look of them and the idea of these guys are superheroes that play music is what really cemented it for me. Because as classic as the music is, it's not terribly groundbreaking. But you can say that about anything you love, really. Like any any bands that you love from when you were a kid, you're into it because you were into it, not because they were changing the world with their chord progression Mm -hmm. or how they were always doing atonal half notes or anything. No, it's just because that's what you you listened to and it struck a chord with you or something. And for me, it was definitely Kiss, and it was definitely for the costumes and the personalities and and the music. Like that that once I got into them. That shaped my love for hair metal. And for as, as much as uh, uh, I'm sure as this video cast progresses with, with other people, as far as the metal spectrum goes, I'm really on the soft end of the hair metal, the really uh, squealy guitars, uh, the, the high shrieky voices, and the blazing solos. I'm not so much of the crunch and the grunge and the uh, I don't mean obviously grunge. I mean you know the the really yeah doom or tune, the just chugging. And, yeah, definitely. And it, it's 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 nice to hear you that because that's one something I wanted to bring up. Where um, I know we like to say as you know comic creators and fans that comics is a medium, not a genre, and right. it's not just one thing. And I honestly kind of feel like metal has surpassed the idea of it being a genre. Because there are so many subgenres yeah, that are so diverse, and I know that other musical genres have their subdivisions as well. But I think metal trumps all that with just this plethora of different kinds. You have like doom metal and stoner metal, which is kind of like doom metal, but not really. And then you have death metal, and then you know black death metal. Yeah, and- I mean it's it's definitely uh, a scale where if you start at one end and go to the other, everything like this relates to this, relates to this, relates to this, but by the time you get to the bottom, compared to the top, not even in the yeah. same category. Yeah, it, it's, it's kind of funny, because I know all these other people who are metalheads, but in the Venn diagram of where their interests lie, I'm typically, like, dead center in all the genres. <laughs> and, you know, you got, like, you you, you have the, the higher, the hair metal stuff, but we have our overlap with, you know, Dream Theater and Evergrey and, sure. you know, that kind of stuff, and then you know, someone like Daniel Warren Johnson, um, fantastic artist and guitar player, and has an awesome book called Murder Falcon out right now. All so, about uh, metal, metal will save the world through the, this giant falcon-shaped alien. Yes, but he's more into the to the, the heavier doom. Yeah, stuff. The, like the more prog- almost like more progressive shreddy type stuff, and you know, I like some of that, but not all of it. And so, yeah, it's it's just kind of. 
interesting. I've never thought here. about it like this before, but if if you want to take the Venn diagram of metal or just a straight chart, I think dead center is Slayer. <laughs> and that yeah. radiates outward in every direction, whether you go softer, faster, harder, mm-hmm. darker. I think you put Slayer dead in the middle and everything goes out from there. What do you think of that? I think if you just put the big four, Metallica, Anthrax, Slayer, Megadeth in that dead center. Okay. Because okay. I think that's where a lot of metalheads just start. Like sure. I started with Metallica. I know someone who started with Megadeth. I know people who started with Slayer. And you just kind of branch out from there. I think, you know, they are the dead center of like where metal has kind of like branched out. In terms of and it's the kind of thing that you also grow into because like in in the early days of my metal love i would not give anthrax the time of day oh me neither but yeah. then then john bush from arbor saint became their singer i got into them mm-hmm. and now the last couple albums with the joey belladonna back in i love them i love what they're doing and i think it's a combination of me growing as a person and them growing as a band yeah, I think and, and also with the more recent stuff with Belladonna, his voice isn't as uh, screechy or, I don't know, that's necessarily screechy. Yeah, it's, it, he's it, he's, he's it's aged. More. It's aged. Yeah. But it's aged in a good way. Um, I, where I love It's more how, palatable to me. Like, uh, I'm a big wrestling fan as well. There's a lot of parody, a lot of similarities, not parodies, but a lot of parody, mm-hmm. parody with the comics industry, the music industry, the wrestling industry. Uh, I love how when a band loses a singer or a wrestler quits a federation or a creator leaves a company, it's like, you know, um, we don't need them. We're better than them. We're going to put out the best stuff ever that, that yeah. we ever, ever have before. And then years later, that person comes back and they're like, oh, he's our best friend. We've missed him forever. <laughs> like, yeah. I, like, you always have to say, what you're doing is best for the band or for the comic you know you can't say yeah this new album it's okay not one of our best but we like it you always have to say it's a combination of our best-selling album and our most critically acclaimed album that's how you like oh this this new album it is a combination of destroyer meets revenge like yeah. you know you, you go with with popular and acclaimed and no no one ever says yeah we tried really hard on this but who knows yeah you have to say oh no joy belladonna coming back in the band is exactly what anthrax has always needed really you swore at him so much when he was gone and said what a worthless human being he was and now he is your future again okay yeah yeah, it, it's kind of the similar to the this 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 album. It's got the heaviest stuff we've done, but it's got the most melodic stuff we've done as well too. And it's like, yeah, it, it's another album, guys. It's yeah. I, I know it's it's hard to say something new on a press tour. Yeah, and it's yeah, hard to get I, people I, I, to I understand buy it. Thing. Yeah, I understand it, but it's definitely the uh, like, yeah, okay, just this show us show us the music, guys. You know, stop telling us it's the heaviest thing. We'll decide on that. <laughs> so. Right before. We started recording. Uh, I got an email I, uh, from Pledge Music for the new. Um, I pledged for uh, the new Queensrÿche album that comes out in March, and their latest single is available for download. And I don't like to over listen to singles before an album comes out because I don't want to 
get sick of part of an album when I'm going to be listening to it in heavy rotation. I don't want to have to be like, oh, skip that one. I know it too much. Yeah. But I'll listen to each song like once or twice and then wait till I get the disc. And that's the same reason I don't watch movie trailers for like Avengers Endgame. Uh, I, I was in the theater with my dad seeing Aquaman a few days ago and the trailer came on. I'm like, nope, nope. Mm-mm, mm-mm. And, you know, if it's with somebody who knows me, they'll know that tap me when it's over. And my dad's just like, what are you doing? <laughs> are you okay, like, Patrick? I, I can't, I can't, can't hear. I can't see. I don't want to know any part of what's happening. And that's the same with albums. I don't, I don't want to be overexposed to a thing that I know I'm going to want to listen to as a whole. And, and I get singles going out and getting exposure and excitement built toward a release. But if it's a thing I know I'm going to buy, I want to wait and hear it as a whole. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I waver between that or just watching the trailer 15 times and you know just playing the hell out of the thing i think it really depends on my excitement level of a particular thing um so i respect your will <laughs> for just generally holding off though with the comic well, it's thing, only from years of doing it of not doing it that way and wrecking yeah. it for me so it's I, just a learning I, with, experience with the comic movie thing though i kind of get it where it's just like it seems like i told my wife not too long ago like i didn't think i'd ever get tired of there being comic book movies at the same there's superhero fatigue or comic book movie fatigue it's just like i'm just kind of like not as excited anymore like i'm sure you're going to see them i'm going to watch them but like i'm just not like so anticipatory of these things anymore it's just kind of just become another like oh yeah that looks good we'll go see it probably yeah i i completely agree with that when avengers age of ultron was coming out i'm like i cannot wait to see this because we saw how good the first one was and like mm-hmm. oh my god we get to get more of this and now it's so much like, yeah, I'll see. It'll be great. I'll, I'm bu- I'll buy my tickets in advance. Yeah. That's fine. But it's not uh, not a thing I'm marking on my calendar and counting off days anymore for. And it is so prevalent. When we, when we saw Aquaman, all the trailers were for comic book things, whether it be Hellboy or Shazam or Captain Marvel, um, some, something else. There were two other things that I'm like, these are, these are comic book things. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. It'd be better if they got people to come into the stores looking to to buy those things. Aquaman just hit over a billion dollars. They just had Kelly Sue DeConnick take over the monthly Aquaman book, and we ordered a bunch more of it, and we sold the same number as the previous issue. It doesn't get people to come into the stores, which is fine because... If you see the current DC Aquaman movie yeah. and you come to the store, I don't have anything that resembles that in the store. Yeah. You that think, is not who he is in the comics. Do you think DC might start pulling what Marvel does and somehow make Aquaman dark hair, long hair, Imago? Well, I mean he he's got he's got long hair, he's got facial hair, but he just doesn't have that attitude, which mm-hmm. is the whole different thing. And okay. We uh, into the Spider Verse is a perfect example where there are so many characters in that movie, but the ones that people are resonating with, we don't have stuff for. The number of people that have come in and said, "Do you have anything with Penny Parker?" <laughs> we don't. She had two standalone issues that were part of a bigger thing. If you want to buy this this giant Spider Verse collection, you'll get about twenty pages of Penny Parker if that's what you want. But she's not a major character in the story. 
they've only done like I said two single issues for her. And if you come in because you love Spider Ham, like younger kids yeah. love Spider Ham, that none of his stuff is in print. Also, he's also in Spider Verse or Spider Gad Spider Gadden, but those aren't stories for little kids. And he has like twenty lines throughout those books, so it's mm. not a Spider Ham book. Spider-Man Noir, a character that they've done numerous volumes of material on, all of them are out of print. I, I'm sure part of that might be the Sony of it, that Marvel's publishing arm is not really being directed to like, hey, let's, let's help push know, this out. They have to know what's going on, especially for an animated movie that they've been working on for so long. Like We yeah. saw clips of Into the Spider-Verse a year before it came out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Spider-Man Noir, those books are have already come out. You just go back to press. You're not making anything new, you're just reprinting. Yeah. Yeah, they, they really dropped they the ball always, on that one. They always overproduce material for their main movies. Like, the amount of Captain Marvel trades that they are releasing now is insane because again none of it matches up with the movie but well whatever it, it's yeah. either too much of the wrong thing or not enough of the other thing okay. i don't know comics man i don't yeah, get them yeah. well I, you know what let's, let's set aside comics let's know. set aside comics for a second um sure. and i'm more kind of interested in something we've never really talked about is when did you start you know learning to sing and performing in bands and deciding that you know this is an avenue i want to pursue uh creatively. i think part of uh, making this about comics again, I think part of being a comics fan is when you see something that you love that much, you want to do it as well. You don't just want to read it. Yeah. You want to do it. So comics instilled me a love of drawing, and I, I went and I have a degree in illustration because of comics. Um, comics you read and you love and you want to imitate. Music you listen to, but the first thing you usually do is sing along with it. So I, I've always been singing along, uh, especially mowing the lawn as a kid with my Walkman on, singing along as loud as I could. Uh, my neighbor years later would tell me that I was considerably louder than a lawnmower, and because <laughs> uh, I thought I, I, you know, I was, I didn't feel like I had to hold back because I'm like, I'm mowing yeah. a lawn, no one's gonna be able to hear me. Yeah. So I, I credit uh, that with a lot of. Uh, vocal strength over the years is singing opposite a lawnmower. Uh, but it's it's always a thing I wanted to do. It's never a thing I thought I was going to do. And even, like, all of these things are still hobbies. Selling comics is my job. I've worked in comics. I've, I've inked comics professionally. I've gotten paid to do it. It would never replace my day job. And singing and being in bands is just a thing that like singing is just a thing that i've always done and uh, i've always wanted to play guitar i just never bothered to learn to be any any good whatsoever and uh i am in awe of uh your ability and i love that you do Riftober every year and uh because when i first met you i would i considered you a bass player now you are a musician like oh. you've transcended all that the way you write and arrange and put everything together like that's more than I thought you did back when I met you. And it, but, was, it was, it is a lot more. It was a very conscious decision. But, you know, I, I want to hear it's about a, you. It's a, it's a process, you know, you, yeah. you start and, and uh, basically it's a um, surrounding myself with people who are way better at it than I am that 
help me do it and that foolishly want me to participate with them. Like uh, you mentioned my band, The Divorce Gun. The Divorce Gun is just two people. It's myself and my friend Robert Burns. Robert Burns, who also does the, the comic Brutally Frank. But uh, Bob and I were friends since junior high school. And he moved to, uh, to Pittsburgh to go to art school when I was in DeKalb going to school. And he was learning guitar there. And he would send me cassettes of, uh, of lessons because I had a guitar in, in college as well. And I was never very good at following his lessons. But once he graduated, he started buying uh, recording material and equipment. And little four track digital recorder not even not digital just four track recorder and he would write and record stuff on his own and then one day he said to me uh hey i'm tired of doing this by myself why don't you write some stuff and we'll record it together so we we wrote we wrote, wrote a song together called paradise world and we recorded it together and then i left and then he completely re-recorded it all, <laughs> my, all my parts out so it was just him uh, but then uh, we actually, in college, had a, uh, a a punk band, I say in quotes because we never played out or anything, called the Upholstered Urinals. <laughs> and we would uh, set an AM radio to static and run that through the amplifiers to give us like that really uh, gross, feedbacky sound to, to play opposite. And then everything we did was spontaneous and live and just recorded on cassette recorders. And I, I legit may have one cassette tape somewhere, but nothing I listened to it forever. Mm -hmm. But after Bob was putting out uh, several albums of his own material, he said, let's collaborate on an album together. And uh, The Divorce Gun was born. The Divorce Gun takes its name from the Larry Sanders show, uh, a specific episode where Hank was going through a divorce and Artie had a fake gun that no one knew was fake. And he's like, look, if you're just that I don't want to just put it in your mouth and end it. And here's 20 bucks for house cleaning to, to, to take, take care of the mess. And when he was relating that story to Larry during the show, Larry's like, oh, I haven't seen it. The divorce gun. I haven't seen that in forever. <laughs> so we're like, yeah, divorce gun. That's so that's that's where it came from. Uh, and then we every year, it seems we would we'd get together and do a Christmas song, uh, some originals, but mostly just homage songs. Like the first homage was I Love Mistletoe was I Love uh, Joan Jett the Blackhearts. I Love Rock yeah. and Roll yeah. turned to I Love Mistletoe. And it started because I always sing stupid lyrics over songs. Like if we were out at a restaurant and they're just mm -hmm. playing music, I would always just start singing things over it. And uh, once I'm like, let me just keep going. Let me see if I can like rewrite this whole thing. Mm -hmm. And I literally finished I Love Mistletoe at an Anthrax show at the Metro, <laughs> uh, John Bush Anthrax era. And so we started doing that. Uh, but Serpent Crown was uh, my good friend Chris Carlson, who is uh, a shredding guitar player who's been in bands before, but we used to just get together and, for fun, write songs with no intention of anything ever happening. But then his friend Jason is like, you know, I know a little bit of bass. I can play bass to some of these. So then Jason got together with us and we're like, well, we may as well see what we can do. We actively sought and found a drummer. Will Garrison, who's still with us today, and the Circle Crown was born. That was back in the late 90s. And uh, we wrote for years. We played out all the time, all just local area bars and clubs and things. And, and of that, uh, Nightcap on Irving Park, I think, is still there. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, everything else is now like a taco joint or a pizzeria or <laughs> ev- every other place we play. We used to play at a, a, a venue, uh, Champ's Rock Room, and their claim to fame was they're the place that Disturbed played all the time. Yeah, and, I remember, I remember like, the, like, the radio ads for that place. Yep. And they used to have a, a big van with the Disturbed logo parked out front, like, you know, we made Disturbed, and Champs mm-hmm. is the club we played the most. Uh, and it's like, uh, it's in the suburbs and it's nowhere near the city. And, but like, they would literally let us play. Like we had, a, we did good enough for them that if we ever said, Hey, do you have any dates in January? They're like, yeah, sure. Like we would, we always had, uh, a date whenever we wanted it there. They weren't great with, uh, keeping track of who was coming to see us. Cause like, you know, it was just a guy at a door with a pad, like which band are you here for and marking it down. Cause mm-hmm. that's how you got paid was how many people yeah. you brought in. And I specifically remember, like, one day them saying, you only had eight people. Like, we had way more than eight people, but the guy at the door just was marking down whatever he wanted. Uh, but anyway, we, we uh, Serpent Crown came to an end violently on stage at the Penny Road Pub. Uh, wait, wait, was it? God, I can't. I, all, these ven- all these venues down, they blur together. Um, it was at Penny Road Pub. That was one our last show, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, a big fight between guitarist Chris and bassist Jason. And Jason walked off during sound check. Oh. So we had we did a, a, a whole set without a bass player. And there'd be points where there'd be a bass, like a, a specific <laughs> bass line, and no one else playing it. Chris would just be like, no one's there. Uh so then, ironically, Jason and I tried to keep the band going for a while on our own and interviewed a ton of people and auditioned a bunch of people. And then it all fell apart. Jason moved away. Uh, years later, Chris comes into Challengers one day because he had never seen it before because I hadn't talked to him in years. And then after like hanging out with him for a little while, we're like, well, let's see, what can we still do? And we decided, like, what's Will doing? We haven't talked to Will in years. So we, we all met up at... Uh, uh, suburban Baker Square and like talked it out and said, let's see if we can still do this. And now we practice uh, multiple times a month out at Will's Barn in the suburbs. And uh, we have uh, some recording sessions on, on the calendar for uh, late winter, early spring for this nice. year. Nice. So yeah, we did, we did, we recorded a, a full length demo CD back in 2000. But due to time constraints and traveling and whatnot, we used the in-house guitar and uh, electronic drums. And the electronic drums do a huge disservice to uh, what Willens is capable of playing. So, yeah, finally we'll get to hear some of this stuff with full instrumentation. That'd be awesome. uh, it's weird to like think, like, for not having the band for a while and then starting it back up again, and it's like, okay, uh, we're coming up on, it'll be 20 years later this year that we first started doing this. And we're all different people. And I know my voice is definitely not what it was 20 years ago, but it's not different bad. It's just different. <laughs> so it's how do you You're make these songs that you did, that you played like night after night after night, how can you still do it now? Like, yes, but with some changes. Awesome. It's like seeing, uh, I saw Whitesnake live years ago, and for any of the high parts, 
uh, Coverdale would just throw the microphone into the audience, like, <laughs> hey, you guys do it kind of thing. Like, I'm not doing that, but it won't be the same as it used to be. Uh, yeah. I used to be I used to be a pretty good screamer. I'm not anymore, but I'm starting to get it back a little bit. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm literally just learning now how to scream. I figure, hey, you know, you're 35 at the time. Like, why not learn how to scream? That'll be great. Sure. Yeah. You know, I, I I was never like it, it's interesting to hear you say like you know when you're listening to songs when you're younger, you're always your instinct is to sing along. And my family was never musically inclined. Like, in terms of music, I didn't really have any influences inside the family. Um, you know, th I think the most musical thing my parents had was, like, a Grammy Award nominee disc or something that my sure. mom played from time to time. And I never really sang. You know, it was very anxiety-inducing to even do anything. So it, it's, it's just interesting to hear, like, I have such an opposite <laughs> uh, lead-in. And... But I also have a, a similar story for you where I was in a, a band with uh, one of my best friends ever since high school. We separated. Uh, we joined back up again. We had a, a, a pretty decent band in the early aughts. Uh, played the Mutiny several times. Oh, uh, yeah. Fantastic right dive. That, Challengers. that is no longer with us. And then... It's so sad. It just came to an end, too. Yeah. And that band kind of just came not so much to a violent end as to just like a died out with a whimper um my friend who's the main rhythm guitar player and singer he like tore his acl playing football and you know we weren't really seeking out gigs we kept going back and trying to write songs and all our songs were just becoming too long and you know we you know six seven minutes that's that's too long um for every single song so we just kind of faded out and then this past year you know he and i have hooked up back together again and all the time i've learned a lot about digital recording how to use uh you know easy drummer and program drums and produce things and so now even though he lives 50 miles away we're writing songs together he's recording his tracks sending them to me i'm doing all the other stuff and we're, we're getting something together again and it's really exciting and so i'm really glad to hear that serpent crown is you know you know finding their way back into into making stuff again and i can't wait to find our way back to a thing we never really got to in the first place yeah <laughs> i guess you're playing out consistently so that that is a thing so yeah yeah but yeah I, i'm sure when you're all done with the, the finished serpent crown record and just you're, you're just going to be feel like just so relieved i'm sure i don't know if it's gonna be a similar situation to the most recent divorce gun which is available everywhere um, that's true that's true divorce gun put out an actual cd last year the winning days of the world uh and it is available uh as you said everywhere it's it's on itunes it is uh at amazon music it is all the streaming services uh, it is uh uh a thing that yeah it's it's everywhere it's a weird feeling because growing up where you had to go to a record store to get a record yeah and it's it's weird to be like oh now you can it's a lot easier for people to get music out there nowadays but mm -hmm. it still feels neat to have a manufactured and distributed actual cd yeah that, that that's gotta be a pretty great feeling like 
And if I was uh, better at promoting, I would have one on the table to hold up right now. Here's the album cover. And all well, that. I'll but make sure that there'll be it. plenty of links to all your stuff in the description okay. for the video. So people can go check it out. I highly recommend recommend it. I was actually uh, listening to the Divorce Gun uh, a few days ago at the gym. Oh. So. Oh, wow. It, it's, at well, the gym? Well, um, I have my running mix, which is just, you know, metal, metal. But then when sure. I'm doing stretching and lifting and stuff, I like to have different stuff on. And I'm like, you know, I haven't listened to this thing in full because you have the song. Um, I, I say, what was it Ball Breaker? Ball Breaker, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. that I remember uh, really liking. So I'm like, well, you know, what? I got to put on the whole thing. I haven't listened to the whole thing all the way through yet. So it's a real fun uh, album. Ball Breaker, the heaviest song Divorce Gun ever did. The most fun I ever had recording lyrics for a Divorce Gun song <laughs> because uh, we must have done like 20 different full takes and it like they all sounded identical and my voice never gave out and i'm just screaming more and more and i'm really trying to have like there's one f-bomb in it so i'm really trying to punch that and uh it was just like pure joy during doing that song and it is so unlike everything else that we've done like uh I, serpent crown i consider a power metal band divorce gun is just radio rock that's yeah. all like aor if you will yeah it's it's pop a little bit heavier pop music mm -hmm. uh some catchier stuff than than serpent crown but nowhere near as heavy but still uh uh fun and a lot of different styles on that cd like it's a it's not telling a big story or anything it's a lot of unconnected songs but most of the songs are uh this little peek behind the curtain most of the songs are about specific people in my life, except Ballbreaker was a specific person in Bob's life. Ah. Uh, and um, Ballbreaker itself is a song that is not the normal divorce gun process because it was a song that Bob actually wrote and recorded himself uh, back in, I don't know, in, in the 90s, maybe in the early 2000s. Uh, and I always said, give that to me, that I, I want to do that song. And it wasn't until uh, two years ago, he's like, yeah, let's try it with you singing it. And it, it uh, I think it really worked well. Awesome. But it's it's one of the few where I'm like, I don't know who I'm singing about. And there's lines in the song, I'm like, what does this even mean? And Bob's like, I don't know anymore. It's been so long. <laughs> but yeah, there's uh, specific people that are specific songs uh, on that uh, on that disc, which is not like Serpent Crown songs are never about people; they're about concepts or uh, ideas. Divorce Gun songs are about specific incidents. Um, so I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I do have one last question, and that is: sure. as someone who has both, you know, had art and music as their passion, is there one that you kind of felt? Is, is the joy of making art uh, as in an illustration versus the joy of making a song, is that comparable to you or is that like two different itches that get scratched? They are, that's a very good question and both mean the world to me. And if I, it's in, in the context of if I had to give one up, I don't know if I could because I listen to music all day long and i have music playing all night i have an, an ipod very old ipod that i can't even put music on anymore and it i've been told it's would cost way too much to fix it's not worth it but that sits next to my bed and that plays 
all night while I'm sleeping. Okay. If it gets to the end of the playlist and there's silence, I will wake up because where's the music? Mm. Uh, but I've never tattooed music <laughs> on my knuckles. So, uh, man, uh, I, ha- I I think, uh, I, and I, so I will answer this since you asked, I think that while music means the world to me, I don't think I've ever written a song that's better than anybody else's songs. Like, all I'm trying to do is match the things that I'm inspired by. And I've written some songs that I love, but I don't in any way, like, I've, I've never written a song and said, oh my god, this, this is it. Like, I, like there's a song on the new Divorce Gun CD, um, Take My Hand, which is a really fun, up-tempo pop song, and I really like what we did with it. But I'm not going to put it up against, like right now I'm really into the band Night Flight Orchestra. Okay. I, I, I can't I can't in any way judge a thing I've done against something of theirs because I love theirs so much. Uh, I think the act of creating music is ultimately heartbreaking because it's never as good as you want it to be. And I think at with art, because most of the time you're doing it so quickly and you have so much more to do that you let yourself move on without like pouring over it. Not not like, well, I would change this or I change this or I change this. Music you put a lot more into and you could say, all right, I, I would do this different or I could, we can tweak this, we can change that. Art is uh, more a commodity, whereas music is more an expression. Okay. And uh, I, I never, I don't want the idea of living without comics. You, you can't see it, but just off to my right is a giant spinner rack full of the comics, the, the brand new comics I haven't read yet. Um, I love them both equally. I think making music is more fulfilling, but neither of these things is my full-time gig. Uh, Mike Norton had said recently that if he was into alcohol or drugs as much as he was into making comics, he'd be dead. And Comics are going to kill him, so... <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Uh, comics may kill me, but in a different way. Okay. Um, uh, I, I think there's more personal fulfillment for me for making music, but I can't imagine life without comics. I got it. That, that, that's a fantastic answer. And uh, once again, thank you for coming on the show. Um, if there's anything you would like to promote, or this should be going up in uh, beginning of February. So I know Challengers has a yearly sale. Yes, I love you, but it shows in comics. Everything in the store is 25% off, except for held items or previously marked down merchandise. And if you spend $100 before tax, you get an exclusive shirt made just for the sale. This year's shirt is drawn by Melissa Sue Stanley, and it is very uh, Baba, Baba Yaga influence for the, the folklore of Baba Yaga. Nice, nice. Uh, but otherwise, you can find uh, the Challengers at challengerscomics.com. Uh, the Divorce Gun is on Facebook. And while SerpentCrown.com was a thing that existed, I somehow wound up losing the website. Like it doesn't, there's nothing published anymore. So soon. 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 All right. And again, I can't recommend Challengers enough. So if you're in the Chicagoland area and you can make your way to 
1245 Northwestern. 1845. 1845. Northwestern. Western Northwestern. Milwaukee in the Bucktown neighborhood. There you go. Thank you and, for letting me plug. And uh, again, uh, thanks again for coming on. And uh, yeah, everyone, go shop at Challengers. Yeah, excellent. Thanks, Don. I can't wait to see who's on this show next.